culture. Now, you're going to see in this series how what or, or how, how we can together collectively as well as individually build our church culture. I'm going to be sharing with you what our DNA is here at CWC Life through this series. And I'm going to ask of you, those of you that are here and you consider CWC Life CV your family, your church, and those of you watching on live stream, I'm going to be sharing what our DNA is and how you can help build that culture so that we display it. Because it's not enough to be able to define culture. Because if you were to study different leaders uh, that share their principles and their writings with uh, corporations and organizations, including church leaders, you would find different definitions regarding what culture is. But here's the thing. Culture is not best defined. It's best displayed. Because even if you define it, if it's not displayed, it will not be what is exhibited within an organization, including the church. So we are going to look at how we can build our church's culture. And before we look at the components connected with culture, I want to share a couple of quotes in, uh, in regards to culture. The first from Jerry Hurley. Jerry Hurley says, building culture isn't difficult, but it does take intentionality. Be consistent. Building culture isn't difficult, but it does take intentionality. Be consistent. And then Tony Miller said this, in every organization, culture is determined by what we celebrate and what we tolerate. In every organization, culture is determined by what we celebrate and what we tolerate. What do you mean? Well, you take uh, your organization, your workplace, for instance, or even in this church, whatever you celebrate is what will be perpetuated, what will be promoted, what will be displayed, as well as what you tolerate. For instance, if you tolerate your, your promise to deliver, to continue to be done with lateness, then that's going to become part of the culture. People will identify you as being late to fulfill what you said you would do. So whatever we celebrate or whatever we tolerate becomes the culture of our organization, including the church. Now... This is the process for building a culture. Here it is. We're going to look at this graph. It shows us how we can build a culture. Notice at the top of the graph, there is the circle, beliefs, beliefs. And then you have values. And then you have artifacts or symbols. And then you have behaviors, behaviors. This is how culture is built. It is built based on the organization's beliefs, what it values, and then what its symbols display. Because those symbols or artifacts are meant to trigger in the minds of those within the organization what the organization believes or what they value. And then through behaviors that is consistent, culture is 
built. Culture is built. Now, here at CWC Life CV, we express our values as what we believe as vital in defining and displaying our church's DNA. Because what we value, we become. What we value, we become. So we are committed to value what we believe regarding what God has revealed in His Word, not only regarding His principles and precepts and promises, but also the purpose for which He has graced us as a church to be here in this community. It's so important that we understand, and we'll see it later on in this series. God has not called us to be a duplicate of another church. God has called us to be the church that He's graced us to be. It doesn't mean that we don't celebrate what He's doing in other churches. But it means that we discover what He's graced us to do. Because imitation leads to limitation. We don't want to be imitators of what somebody else is doing. We want to be carrying out what God has graced us to do. And so, in this series, we're going to look at what we believe, what we value as a church. Because as we begin to embrace those beliefs and values together, then we will begin to display them together. And it will solidify and establish the culture that dominates here at CWC Life. Now, this morning, uh, we are looking at our first belief or value. And here it is. Here it is, and I want you to get it. We believe, here at CWC Live CB, we believe in the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Exodus 3.6. Here at CWC Live CB, we believe in the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, how do we live that out in our lives as a church? Here it is. We believe that He is a God who works in our lives through different processes and deals with us according to our personality. Proverbs 22.6, reference there, says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, the phrase, in the way, it also can be translated according to the liberal literal meaning as according to his bent. Train up a child according to his bent. Now, those of you that are parents of more than one child, you know that every child comes uniquely graced with a different personality than the other, right? Even if you have twins, they have different personalities. God, here's what you need to know about God. God doesn't use a cookie-cutter approach in raising his children. God raises us according to the bent that He has placed us with, that He's placed in our lives. God raises us according to the bent, and we'll see it, because the way that God dealt with Abraham was different than the way He dealt with Isaac, and different than the way He dealt with Jacob. Why? God doesn't use a cookie cutter approach in raising his children. He raises them according to the bent that he's given them and instructs them in his ways in a way that adheres to their bent so 
so that they can flourish and come to fruition in fulfillment of His purpose in their lives. And then watch this. We will strive to deal with people according to the stage they are at and according to their bent. In 1 John chapter 2, 12-14, John says, I write to you fathers, I write to you children, I write to you young men. He uses these terms to describe that what is happen, what happens in the natural happens in the spiritual. People grow through different stages. They grow from childhood stage to adolescent stage to adult stage. And God expects of us to experience ongoing growth in our walk. And as a church at CWC Life CV, we are committed like God to meet people where they're at, at the stage they are at, and Help them develop into the stage that God wants them to grow into. That's how we live out this value. So we believe here at CWC Life, we believe in the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. What does this title mean? It reveals several things. First, the title of God, this title of God reveals that he values individuals. This title of God reveals that he values individuals. He doesn't say, I am the God of Israel, the nation. But instead, he he pinpoints individuals in that nation. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Why? Because he wants his people to know, I've chosen a people, but I'm also committed, and I'm also desiring to connect with every individual among my people. In other words, it teaches us that he values individuals. He values individuals. We see this confirmed in the Scriptures, both in the Old and the New Testament. In the book of Isaiah 43, verse 1, God says this, Isaiah 43, 1, But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you, notice, by your name. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Let me say to you, God knows you by name. He not only knows what family you belong to. He knows you by name. Why? Because he values you as an individual. You matter to him. Now, Jesus, who was God manifested in the flesh, he said this in the book of John chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. John 10, 1 through 3. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is, notice, the shepherd of Of the sheep to him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep. How by name and leads them out. Do you see how Jesus points out in my fold? I know my sheep by name. Why? Because everyone in my fold matters to me. Each one matters to me. Now, if you've been raised in church for a while, you've probably heard the preacher say that even if you were the only person that was lost in need of salvation, God would have sent His Son to die for you. Why? Because that's the kind of God that He is. He loves individuals. God not only loves, so loved the world, but He loves 
loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. I want to say to you today that you matter. You are valued by God. He gave his best to ransom you and make you part of his family. And though you are part of a family that is filled with millions, he still knows you by name. And he wants to know you personally and know you intimately. I love what Bible teacher Warren Wiersbe points out. He points out the following regarding God and the way that he works in individuals. He says, our Lord always comes to us when we need him and in the way we need him. Our Lord always comes to us when we need him and in the way we need him. He elaborates to point out to Abraham the pilgrim, the Lord came as a traveler to share in a friendly meal. Genesis 18, 1 through 8. To Jacob, the schemer, he came as a wrestler to bring him to a place of submission. Genesis 32, 24 through 32. The Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego met him as their companion in the furnace of fire. Daniel 3, 25. And Joshua met him as the commander of the Lord's army in Joshua 5, 13 through 15. God met these men as they needed him. He met them. I want to say, if you're sick, he'll be your doctor. If you're in bondage, he'll be your deliverer. If you find yourself in panic, he'll be your peace. I'm saying to you, the Lord will become what you need him to be by his grace if you'll turn to him. Why? Because he loves individuals. And here at CWC Life CV. We believe that God loves us just as we are, but too much to leave us as we are. Let me say that again. Here at CWC Life, we believe that God loves us just as we are, but too much to leave us as we are. This is why we've said often, we are a church that's committed to live within the tension of grace and truth. I'm not going to tell you that God just loves you the way you are. I'm going to also tell you that he also loves you too much to keep you in that state that you are if your lifestyle and way of being is contrary to his word. Because ultimately, it's not my feeling, it is not my opinion, it is the truth that will set me free. Grace opens the door for me to be able to receive what he made possible, but it is truth as revealed to the person of Jesus and the principles, precepts of God's word that brings freedom to my life. And here at CWC Life, we will live this out. We will live out this value. We will be honest enough to tell you, God is able to meet you at your mess, but he's not going to leave you in your mess. He's come to deliver you from your mess so that you can experience the power of his message, the gospel. And then the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. This title, secondly, of God reveals that he keeps his covenant. In other words, it reveals that he is a promise keeper. Yeah. 
Look at this in Exodus 2, verses 23 through 25. Exodus 2, 23 through 25. It says, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered, watch, God remembered his covenant with who? Abraham. With who? Isaac. And with who? Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. You know the history. They're bound. They're bound in Egypt under Pharaoh's rule. But then they cried out. They cried out to God. They exercised prayer in their pain. And what happened? It triggered the process of God fulfilling the promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He did say that they would end up in bondage, but then he said he would deliver them. And now the time had come. And what triggered the time of their deliverance? was their prayer. Let me say to you right now, that if you pray to God, you're going to trigger His power to fulfill in your life what He has promised. I want to say to you, if you know somebody, this is why we did what we did last week. If you know somebody that's a prodigal, somebody that is bound by uh, by sin right now, who has gone away from the Lord, don't you throw in the towel. Don't you say that it it is there's no more hope. I want you to know the moment you start to pray and you call on God, you remind Him of His promise. That not only is he saving you, but he's going to save your house. You remind him of his promise that he's going to bring your children back from the land of the enemy to the land of their inheritance. You remind him of his promise when you pray. You trigger the process for him to fulfill his promise. And here at CWC Life CB, you got to know why Pastor Angel preaches all fired up. Because I know that my God is more than a promise maker. He's a promise keeper. I've lived long enough to know that he doesn't waste his breath giving words of hope without fulfilling them. He's got the power and the ability to do much more above, beyond what I ask or think. He's promised to do it. He's going to do it. So he delivered the people of Israel. But you look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God fulfilled his covenant, his promise to them individually. With Abraham, we see he fulfilled his promise of multiplication. He not only said, I'm going to give you a son, I'm going to give you many sons. And he did. And then in Isaac, he fulfilled his covenant through perpetuation. He kept on fulfilling what he started with Abraham in Isaac. And then in Jacob's life, he gives him the promise of protection and ultimate consummation. Meaning, he was going to finish and complete what he started. And we see it in Genesis 28.15. When he told him this in Genesis 28.15, behold, he's telling Jacob, he says, I am with you. And will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Do you see what the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob is all about? He is a promise keeper. He's saying to Jacob, look it, you're stuck with me and I'm stuck with you. And you're going to be stuck with me till I fulfill everything that I spoke over your life. Let me say to you today, the devil is a liar. You feel like, oh, God's not going to fulfill his word. He's going to fulfill his word. He's a promise keeper. You're going to make it. You're going to survive. You're going to do more than survive. You're going to thrive. You're going to do more than make it through the storm. You're going to overcome the storm. Why? Because He is with you. And if He gave you a word, He's going to fulfill it. 
Woo! This is why when you come to this house, you better get ready to hear me brag about God every week. Because he's a promise keeper. He's a promise keeper. And then thirdly, this title, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, this title of God reveals that he is the generational God. He is the generational God. Ooh. Look at Exodus 3.15. Exodus 3.15. Exodus 3.15 says, Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, notice the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to who? All generations. This is my memorial to all generations. Now, you mentioned, Abraham mentioned during our praise and worship how one of the names of God is Jehovah Nisi. Do you know when this name came? It came in Exodus 17 when they were attacked by the Amalekites. You remember the story that Moses was commanded by God to go up on the hill and that as long as Aaron and Ur held up his hands and Joshua was fighting, as long as his hands were up, Joshua and the army were winning. And then God said there that his name would be Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, your banner. But then he said this, watch this. He said that these Amalekites that you have defeated, you're going to have to deal with them, he said, from generation to generation. But then he gave his name, Jehovah Nisi. Why? Ooh, I'm glad you asked. Because he wanted his people to know, from generation to generation, you're going to have enemies. But from generation to generation, I'm going to be Jehovah Nisi. From generation to generation, I'm going to be the victory of my people. Ooh. I, this is why I'm not worried about my children and my children's children and my children's children's children and my children's 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 children. Why? Because I know they're going to have to face battles when I'm gone. But I know the God who helped me overcome is still going to be God when they have to face those battles. And when their children have to deal with battle. And when my great, 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 great grandchildren have to battle. God's going to prove again and again, I am the Lord, the banner of my people. I fight for my people. The battle is mine. Woo! If I could play that thing, I'd be playing with. You see, uh, the Bible says in Psalm 27, verses 20, verses 7 and 8, what does it say? Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, for whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcome the world. Even our faith, who is he that overcomes? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible says in Romans 8, 37, in all these things, we are more than conquers through him who loved us. What are you saying, Pastor? You don't have to throw in the towel. Your victory is guaranteed because he's the Lord, your banner from generation to generation to generation. Danuba, you better be glad because I just gave you what I didn't give him color. That was for free. Like I told him in Santa Ana on Wednesday night, Sometimes I get what D Dr. Evie Hill used to call the can't help it. Just comes on me. 
I just can't help it. Woo! Now watch this. Psalm 145, verse 4. 145, verse 4. Watch this. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Now, if you're over like me, you're midlife, 50 over, 50 plus. Raise your hand if you're 50 plus. All right. All my midlifers. Don't be ashamed. All right. Midlifers. All right. Thank you, midlifers. One generation shall praise your works to another. Let me tell you what I told them in color. I've been in this thing long enough to know that God is faithful. I need to proclaim that through my praise. I need to display that in how I praise the Lord. You know what chaps pastors hide? Is watching people think that they've graduated from worship and praise. And I see it in pastors. I've seen it in pastors. That the only time they get happy is when they're up here. But in, during praise and worship, they're just there. Like if they don't need a praise and worship, and you know, I, I did my time. You know what I want to do? Like, did you, are you breathing? Because if you're breathing, you ought to give him praise. Because the only reason you're breathing is because he's given you the breath. Well, I did my time. There's no doing your time and pray. What do you think you're going to do all, all eternity? Let's praise him. And I, and, I, and I told him, let me tell you, Abraham, what I told him. There ain't no young person that's going to out-praise God. They ain't going to out-praise God like I praise him. And don't you think for a moment, because people think, oh, well, pastor's getting older. He's going to get more calmer. If you've been around me, you know I'm not getting more calmer. I'm getting more fired up. Why? Because the longer I live, the more I see how faithful he is. The more I discover how merciful he is. The more I discover how mighty he is. The more I discover the million and one ways he's able to accomplish what he's promised. And it just makes me praise him more, more deeper, more louder. Don't you think I'm going to get more calmer, more quieter? I'm going to praise him so that the next generation may know I know where my help comes from my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth now watch this Judges chapter 2 verses 7 through 10 Judges chapter 2 verses 7 through 10 now let me get dignified and scholarly dear church the scripture tells us in the Old Testament book of Judges. In the Holy Writ, Judges 2, verses 7 through 10. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnathares in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gosh. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, please note, beloved family of God, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. You know what that tells me? The older generation dropped the ball. And here at CWC Life CV, we believe this and we are convinced of this It's a conviction we have. We are one generation away from extinction. Every church is one generation away from extinction. 
And the sad thing is there are churches closing. Churches that were thriving that are closing. Why? Because they weren't equipping and empowering the next generation. Speaking of generations, Greg Laurie says this. Watch this. A new believer needs an older believer in their life to stabilize them. An older believer needs a new believer in their life to energize them. I love that. You see, he's not only the God of generations who works from generation to generation. He's a God who works through generations. One generation blessing another generation. Dr. Howard Hendricks said this. Every disciple needs three types of relationships in his life. He needs a Paul who can mentor him and challenge him. He needs a Barnabas who can come alongside and encourage him. And he needs a Timothy, someone that he can pour his life into. And when you look at Paul, when he instructs Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he instructs him on how to treat the next generation, how to deal with older and the younger within his congregation. And then he tells Titus, Pastor Titus, he instructs him to instruct the older to minister and mentor the younger, to disciple the younger. You'll see that in Titus chapter 2. Because God is a God who not only works from generation to generation, but He works through the generations. Now, let me also tell you what I told them in color. When I first came to CWC, at that time, we were called Templo El Buen Pastor, the Good Shepherd Church, right? And then we became the Good Shepherd Community Church. And then, now we are CWC Live, Christian Worship Center Live. Now, when I first came... There were some things that I felt needed to be changed, including the way we do praise and worship. And I made them know, I, I, I let people know, I am here to not just deal with what's here. I want to reach the next generation. And we're going to do whatever we can to reach the next generation. And if you've been at CWC Life long enough, you know we've gone through changes, including in our worship, including in the way we do things. Why? Because I've made a commitment. I'm going to reach this next generation. And we're going to do whatever we can to reach this next generation. Why? Because if we've been in church for a while, here's what you got to know about Pastor Angel. Whenever you come here, you're not going to get TV dinners. You're going to get steak, okay? You're going to get prime rib. You're going to get the porterhouse when you come here. You're not going to get something that's made up in 30 seconds in the microwave. No. I'm, I'm in prayer. I'm seeking God. But you've got to also understand, Pastor Angel is not here to feed adults milk. I'm here to give the meat of the word. But I'm also committed to reach the next generation. I'm, I'm concerned about the next generation. And if that means we're going to learn a new style of worship, we're going to learn a new style of worship. Our songs are going to be contemporary. We're going to be more relevant in the way we present the We're not going to get caught up in, let's just satisfy those that have been in church for a while. No! We that have been in church, it's time for us to grow up and minister to the next generation and say we're here so that you can stand on our shoulders and go further than we have. <laughs> and guess what? 
Unlike you, I didn't get that applause. There's been some fights. Not like this. But we're here. And the vision is being unfolded and fulfilled. Because we live by this, I live by this conviction. We're one generation away from extinction. And it's not going to happen under my watch. ah. Now watch. Exodus 3, 6. Exodus 3, 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. What does this title of God mean? God cares for individuals. He fulfills his promises to them. And watch. He works from generation to generation and through generations. I told you last Sunday, that last Sunday was like Christmas for me. Because I got to share the pulpit with my son and my daughter. And to see the fruit of God's working in their lives. And to see God move from generation to generation. And I was reminded of when we celebrated my dad's funeral. And do you remember they they went to Evangel Bible Church in Stockton, California, because we needed a bigger space for the people that were coming to his funeral. And I remember I was sitting there. If I recall, I was in the second row. I was just there. And one of the speakers said, Pastor Jose Angel Menchaca Sr. went to heaven with hope, knowing that his son would continue in the ministry. Now, inside of me, I was like, <laughs> I wasn't planning to continue in ministry. I was planning to live my life. And I was mad and angry at God, bitter, and going to go and just live it up. That was my heart. I was committed to that. I was ready to just go all out. But now I see I'm here because my dad knew, even in his death, even though my son's gone through a rebellious streak, he's coming back. He's marked because he knew God takes serious the fulfillment of his covenant he prayed prayers for me before he passed many prayers for us and then my mama took up the mantle and she kept praying for us and if you only knew the journey (laughs) but this generation knows that God delivers God breaks bondages (sighs) and so when I see my son and my daughter up here Oh, I'm like, take that devil. Because you don't know how many nights we cried. How many tears were shed. How many battles were wrought in prayer. But God is a promise keeper. And that's why I'm saying to everyone here, do not give up on God. Because God is faithful. Like they've said it, and I'll repeat it. He may not come when you want him to, but he'll be on time. Ah, I can't wait till that day. When I'm walking in, and my daddy in heaven sees me, sees my bro, and says, I knew you guys were coming. (laughs) 
because God is a promise keeper. I want to say today, from generation to generation, from generation, Father, I thank you that you are the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. You value individuals. You are committed to fulfill your covenant, your promises to your people. And you are the God of generations. From generation to generation, you fight for your people. For you are Jehovah Nisi. You're the Lord, the banner of victory over your people. And you work through generations. One generation shall praise you to another. And as that is carried out, the seed that leads to the perpetuation, not only of the fulfillment of your promises, but the fulfillment of your purpose in the next generation and through the next generation transpires as well. I thank you, God, for this generation. Lord, as part of the older generation now, I... My heart is to equip and empower this generation to go further. Mm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Babe, do we have the oil there? Is the oil in there? Can you bring it to me? Nathan, would you come on up here? Pastor Mark, would you come on up here? Anthony, would you come on up here, please? settings where it can happen and it's happening but church I want you just to stretch out your hands right now Father in the name of Jesus Father in the name of Jesus it's not by might or by power but by your spirit I believe Lord fresh oil fresh oil Lord Anthony is impacting another generation through his entrepreneurship. But I also believe that setting, Lord, is a place where the next generation will not only attend, but where they can be impacted. That your kingdom purpose may be fulfilled. Pray for an anointing. I thank you that you've anointed him to use the entrepreneurship gifting but I believe that there's more that you want to do through that in order to advance your kingdom enterprise give them creativity for that as you draw the next generation into that place give them creativity and how to impact that generation through your kingdom culture. The same, Lord, for your servant here. I know, God, that you've placed him in the high school, Lord. Be a light. I pray for the wisdom from above 
the insight that you give to empower him to speak life, to speak hope. And Lord, when others don't know what to do because of the issues that have risen in an individual's lives, you would open Pastor Mark's eyes to see with clarity and to speak with authority into the lives of this next generation. And I thank you that you're raising him as a spiritual father. Yeah. You're raising him as a spiritual father to bring deliverance to this generation, Lord. Lord, I thank you for my son. He is part of the tribe of Levi, just like I am. Set apart by you to be a prophet, a mouthpiece for you. He has not sought it. He has simply said, Lord, here's my life now. And in gratitude, offered to serve you. But I declare that he is marked by you for such a time as this. And you're going to give him boldness and an anointing that is greater than I've ever known, God. I believe that you're going to bring about miracles, signs, and wonders, not only in bodies, but in broken souls, in those that are battling with tormented minds and in need of healing of damaged emotions. I believe you're anointing him for that as a deliverer through the authority of Jesus, as it is said of Jesus, who went about doing good. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power and went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. I declare you're going to set the oppressed free through your anointing flowing in and through his life. I see that right now. Yes. Mm. There's an anointing here right now. I know it. For this generation. an anointing here for this generation. Yeah. If you're 30 years and younger, I want you to stand up right now. Just stand where you're at. If you're 30 years and younger, stand up where you're at. Stand up where you're at. Stand up where you're at. plan for your life that is greater than any challenge that you will face. And because His plan on your life is greater, your challenges will be conquered by you as you lean on Him. Now church, stretch out your hand and guys, would you turn around and stretch your hands out to this generation. Father, I thank you for this generation. Right now, I pray a fresh move of your Spirit upon them. Among them, there are hungry ones. There are thirsty ones. 
hands. There are those, Lord, that you have been stirring up among this generation. And I pray right now, by your Holy Spirit, move on them. Breathe on them. Right now, I pray for release of your oil, God, your empowerment, your infusion of might, your strengthening, God. And you said your young men would see visions. I believe this next generation, God, you're giving them a picture of what can be and should be. And I declare vision being imparted right now. Vision by the Holy Spirit. Visions and dreams, Lord. And for some of them, they're going to wonder, how's this going to happen? But right now, I just pray you assure them that by your Spirit, if they will partner with you, they will experience it being materialized, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I speak over this generation revival. I speak over this generation revival. A hunger, a passionate pursuit for God, for His purpose, for His power to be at work mightily in them. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, thank you, Father, right now. Seal it by the Holy Spirit. Seal them. Seal them. Seal them by your Spirit right now. Mark them by your Spirit so that no weapon formed against them will prosper. No weapon. That you be a shield around them. You be their glory. You be the lifter up of their head. Yes. I thank you, Father, for it right now. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give God praise and worship team? Lead us, lead us, lead us, lead us.